Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio. Hereabouts is produced by WFHB and Indiana University's Asian Culture Center. We ask critical questions about identity, culture, community, and shared assumptions. We air every other Wednesday from 5.30 to 6.30 in the evening. My name is Ninara Chatpanarangsi, but I go by Bell. I am a sophomore student from Bangkok, Thailand, who is majoring in international studies and minoring in business and Spanish. Today, we are joined by Caitlin, Audrey, and Pranarshi, who will be talking about the rally um, on February 4th. Before we get started, um, can you guys please introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Pranashi Bandiopadhai. I am a freshman majoring in biology and French, and I was one of the speakers at the rally. My name is Caitlin Wu. I am a sophomore studying neuroscience and chemistry, and I was also a speaker at the rally um, and then work as a student assistant at the Asian Culture Center. And I'm Audrey Lee. I'm a senior this year majoring in biology and minoring in informatics. I'm from Bloomington, and I'm also a student assistant at the Asian Culture Center. Okay, uh, cool. So everyone here is involved with the ACC. Um, How did you guys get involved um, with the Asian Culture Center here on campus? Since I'm a freshman, I really haven't had a lot of experiences with the ACC yet, but I'm starting to get more involved, starting to meet more people in the ACC. So I look uh, forward to becoming more involved. For me, I started as a volunteer and then just like got to meet more people and got to know Sarah and Melanie and then started working. And for me... Um, When I started college, I was really involved with different cultural organizations, and I was looking for other opportunities I could get more involved with Asian advocacy, and I saw that the Asian Culture Center had some position openings, um, and I applied, and here I am. Yeah, um, that's great that you mentioned advocacy, Audrey, because for this episode specifically, we're talking about um, advocacy for (laughs) Asian Americans and the Asian American and uh, Pacific Islander community. So for viewers who haven't heard about what happened in Bloomington on January 11th, can you please tell us a little bit about um, the situation, the anti-hate crime, and also about the rally, which you guys helped organize? Yeah, so for some background, it was a Indiana University student. She's a freshman. She was riding a Bloomington transit bus, which is like a, a city bus, and she was stabbed in the head 17 times from behind by um, someone who was on the bus and it was like a racially motivated attack they learned afterwards that the woman attacked the student because she was Asian and was saying stuff like one less person to blow up our country and crazy things like that yeah and so the rally was organized mainly by community organizers so the NAPOF chapter, which is the National Asian Pacific Islander Women's Forum, and then APAPA, which is like another Asian Pacific Islander community group, mainly by outside organizations, but then the ACC did have a role in like helping support um, since it was held on IU's campus. Uh, Audrey Panarshi, do you have anything else you'd like to add? About yeah, that? I think I can, I could talk about like what compelled us to kind of take this on. Yeah. Um, initially, like when I heard about the, about the attack, I sent an email actually to Melanie and Sarah, like just kind of venting my feelings and my emotions. And that's kind of how they reached out to ask me like to speak it was just because, you know, I was just so like moved and so emotionally distraught by the incident. Um, And I just really wanted to do something about it. And I wanted to actually take action because a lot of these things get swept under the rug 
Um, especially like if they're microaggressions, they're very much not talked about. But since this one was something that is undeniable, I think it encouraged people to do things about it. So I was really happy that something was happening. And so I wanted to jump on the opportunity to get involved. Yeah. And I guess to add on to what Caitlin and Parnashi said, as someone who has grown up in Bloomington, this was definitely one of the most blatant acts of anti-Asian violence that I've been so close to while I've been in Bloomington, but it's definitely not the first instance of this kind of xenophobia that me or my peers have experienced. And the rally in support of the AAPI community that we held on IU's campus, it wasn't just meant to bring greater awareness to that incident, but really call for um, our university administration, our community leaders, and the Indiana government to do more to condemn this type of anti-Asian violence and do things to prevent these kinds of narratives from developing in the first place. That's really great that you guys took initiative and also reached out to your peers and reached out to people at the ACC um, in order to organize this very important event. We can talk about the importance of it a little later, but I'm curious to know what did you guys do um, to prepare for the rally, both organization-wise, but also like emotionally, because it does take a lot of both like, you know, physical labor and emotional labor to kind of organize an event like this. So I was just curious what you guys did to prepare for that. Absolutely. Honestly, I really, really like this question a lot because when Melanie and Sarah reached out to me, uh, gave me the opportunity to be a speaker, I kid you not, I in a half an hour, I saw the email. I responded a half an hour later. Like I was walking out of my orgo class. I saw the email half an hour later and I just sat down and I put everything aside and I started just drafting my speech. I put, I kind of word vomited on, on my speech and I just poured all of my emotions in there. But I also tried to kind of take it and not really distill my emotions, but make it in a way that wasn't so despairing. Um, so there was obviously the construction of the speech and I had to change it, like take it from word vomit stage to actual draft to actual speech. And that was difficult to do while also balancing my schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, I like how you mentioned about the emotional aspect. A couple days before the um, speech, I kind of had this identity crisis because I, I talked to my roommate and they really helped me kind of process my emotions. But what happened was since I'm Indian American and oftentimes like there's this conception that being Asian means you're specifically East Asian. I kind of felt like, who am I to be speaking on behalf of the East Asian community? Do I even deserve to have a voice in this when when my ethnicity isn't the one being affected? And then I talked to my roommate about how within the race of Asian, there's so many ethnicities. And for example, like the Indian Americans, like they have, I mean, this can be argued, but like sometimes there's more privilege, sometimes there's more discrimination, but I felt like I was a privileged in a minority, which is such an interesting thing to think about, right? Um, but my roommate kind of said, like, it puts you in a 
good position because like you can take your privilege to saying that in quotes because <laughs> it's so funny to think I'm privileged and a minority mm-hmm. but you can take your privilege and you can use your voice to actually stand up for those in your race of a different ethnicity that are discriminated against so I hope that makes sense it was really difficult for me to combat that and I also wanted to represent the fact that there were so there's so many people that are a part of this community a part of the AAPI community and it's important that we recognize all the different types of people with diverse backgrounds and diverse perspectives. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that. That like that like hits very hard. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, especially pertaining to the like the emotional part, I don't think I was actually really emotionally prepared for it. Because like, I mean, going into it, writing the speech and everything, like it felt really nice and like almost liberating to like get everything out on paper. And like, I remember the first like draft I wrote, it was just like, it wasn't anger, but it was just like everything and none of it connected. And it was very hard because I was just like, everything was coming to my brain really quickly and trying to going back and reading over it and like trying to see the bigger picture, I think was difficult because in the moment and like throughout this whole situation, it's just very easy to like resolve to just being Mm -hmm. angry and being frustrated. Um, yeah. And so I think coming to the event, I think I wasn't emotionally prepared almost like I I, I was ex- I knew what to expect. But um, I think hearing everybody's hearing your guys' speeches mm-hmm. and how passionate everybody is and just like even just seeing so many people show up, like I think it really just hit me. And I remember getting emotional. It's just when you see everyone kind of coming together and also like something to point out, but um, just like the juxtaposition between like what was happening there and also like the Purdue oh, IU yeah. game. Oh, yeah. So it was just like this like surreal moment oh, yeah. of like, what is happening? What are the priorities of this? Yeah. Like, it was just a lot. It was, happening it was a little time. frustrating because there was people going to the Purdue and IU game and mm. it, was, it kind of felt a little insensitive. Like, because mm. there was there was these people like passerbys. They were like, I don't know, like I'm Asian too. Like, I don't, they said something like, re- they were like yelling, mm. like quote unquote support, but like it wasn't, it just felt like they were cheering for like a, not like a, we were holding a sporting event or something. Yeah. It was just a very like interesting dynamic. <laughs> it was so, it was, it was really interesting but yeah. yeah I remember the cars because we were uh-huh. we were around um, Dunmeadow mm-hmm. and like the cars would turn right and then they were probably going to the game and they were like honking really loud mm-hmm. and then when they got to where we were they just kind of like either like they yelled something or un- uh, unintelligible or uh-huh. or they just like got silent and it yeah. was it was interesting mm-hmm. to see Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Audrey, do you have um? Uh, what did you do going uh going into the rally? Like, how did you prepare for it emotionally and in other ways? Yeah, so I didn't speak at the rally like Caitlin and Parnashi did, but I did work um with some folks from the stop aapi hate organization and everyone here did uh you know since they do have quite a large following um we all worked with them to plan um an instagram takeover which i uh, helped collect and send footage for during the rally i think something really valuable that they helped us with in preparation is really crafting the story that we wanted to tell because I think it's really difficult to hone in on something actionable and something with a very developed narrative when you're so angry and feeling such intense emotions about something that has affected your community. I think the fact that we could just come together with them, help have them uplift our voices in this matter is something that is really important. 
hundred percent. Um, yeah, since the rally was such an emotionally charged event for all those involved in it, uh, I'm curious to know what your expectations were for the rally, like going into it. What were some goals you guys wanted to accomplish, or what was something you had in mind, you know, while working at uh, the rally and while speaking at the rally? For me, going into it, I just really wanted to see support, I think. And I know that kind of, I'm sure that was for um, everybody else here as well. But like, because I work a lot with Asian American Association. um, And so it was trying to get like the most amount of our members to like be able to attend and show their support. Um, And then also just like, I wanted to see a lot of like intersectionality, like from other um, ethnicities and groups and cultural organizations and stuff like that, which I think we did see. Yeah. And of course, like, it's hard. It was a sad, you know, there's so many things. I think my expectations were just to get a lot of like student voices which I think we did definitely achieve. I think something that did surprise me was that there was a lot of like just community people there, like a lot of families, a lot of um, just people from around Bloomington, which is so great. And it's really awesome um, that they showed up for support. I'd like to add like to that point, one thing that exceeded my expectations was talking to people after mm-hmm. I spoke. People would come up to me and be like, oh, you know, I really enjoyed what you said. I really like resonated with your words. It wasn't I don't want to say validating because that's not what I'm going for, but it was just such a like powerful of like, it, it made me feel really happy, I guess, you know, just like I, I was able to, my words had an impact, you know, and that is, that feeling was so good. And I, it was really good to hear other people's perspectives as well. Like there were the people that came up to me, like they were community members and, and students as well actually the people that I talked to some of them were part of the API community and some of them weren't actually so I talked to two like gentlemen that came like they came up to me and they were like you know I I, I used to live in Pittsburgh and I had to deal with this the, the anti-Asian hate uh during the COVID time and I had to like escort my students to like class and back mm. and it was just so touching to hear other people's experiences and he was like you know like I don't know what I can do like I don't I don't know how I can help um just like as an ally of the API community and I was like you just being here like says so much because there's that's doing more than a lot of people would you know like it speaks volume so like it was it was just really touching Mm -hmm. to get to know other people and hear other people's experiences yeah yeah with that too like I know we I talked to a couple of professors um at IU after and it was so like inspiring to me to see them so passionate about wanting to change things like we had a really great conversation with the professor about bias reporting Mm -hmm. and some of the issues that she's been seeing on campus and like that has already started like work for us um, and things that we want to change so I think like the rally was such a good way of like reminding people like look these are the things that like need to be changed and like issues that we're having and I think community members, professors, like everybody kind of showing that these are also things that they're thinking about and that they can work on and that they're passionate about. I think that just really like hypes everybody up and yeah. really just made me feel like, oh, wow, like we could actually do something, you know, <laughs> and make changes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I might be echoing what Caitlin and Parnashi have been saying, but uh, yeah, I knew we had a great lineup of speakers and we honestly did everything we could to make sure the event would go smoothly, but we really weren't sure what the turnout would look like. 
but thankfully there was a pretty sizable crowd um, and more than one person who came up to me um, explicitly stating their solidarity with us and support for what we were doing. But I think one of the best feelings um, that I had during the rally was seeing some of my friends there who don't identify as AAPI, they're supporting us and me. Um, Because I think a lot of times when you communicate these issues that you care about um, to people who aren't necessarily as directly affected by it, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of feels like shouting into the void and you don't Mm -hmm. really know whether they're really listening to you, whether your message is really getting across to them. So I think the fact that I saw some of my friends there, they came up and talked to me and I didn't realize that they would be there really says a lot to me. Yeah, thank you for your answers. You guys all touched on different elements of like connection and support from um, the community and from the IU administration as well. Um, I guess a follow-up question to that would be, um, are there any other reasons you think it's important for IU, for the ACC, or for us as students to host more events like this rally? And going forward, what do you hope will come about from these events? And what do you hope maybe IU would do uh, in response to uh, any other advocacy events that happens. Yeah, I think like the beauty of like a rally like this is it platforms like issues and just Asian American like voices in general. I think it's like, it's sad, but it's kind of rare, like how often we get to focus specifically on issues that Asian Americans are facing at IU. I'm just hoping that like this kind of starts conversations and especially in administration just puts more stress on like different um, fissures that we're seeing. Um, I know like I mentioned the bias reporting thing, uh, but I'm like, that's just like one example of like something that needs to change and something that needs to um, be put pressure on. Yeah, and just um, going forward, offering support to Asian Americans and communities that are suffering like all the time, rather than just when something like this happens or when they're given a platform because of a horrible event. Like how can we support the communities? Like all the time that's so that's so true like to build off of that like IU prides itself on a culture of care but you know that culture of care only exists when something bad happens Mm -hmm. you know like where is the care when someone doesn't get stabbed you know like why does someone have to be attacked for us to see the support that we need yeah so I think that's that's something that is huge and I also think that like rallies and like getting together and like sharing your voices I think it should be like a normalized thing. Like it shouldn't be something that's like rare or in response to something like as huge as this. Um, because actually like I, on the IU campus, we've seen a couple rallies back to back to back. Like from my experiences at this rally, like it was such a great way to get people together. And like you said, thinking about topics that need to change. Yeah, I think the importance of having us host and lead events like this is the fact that in this case the event of focus was a direct assault on our peer someone that could have very well been our roommate or our best friend Um, and since it was also in Bloomington 
which is a small college town that really relies on the yearly influx of students to keep everything running um, and involved IU, an institution that by definition serves students like us. Um, I think it was very necessary for this type of action to come from our group. And I think our argument becomes a whole lot stronger when it directly comes from the group who is fearing for their lives and safety because of discrimination. So um, I think the rally was a great demonstration of that. Those were all very, very good points. Yeah. So, you know, the ACC organizing it, students organizing it is always a great idea. But I guess combating um, discrimination and racism is a two-way street. It's the same way for like communication on any other subject. This might be a little bit of an unfair question to ask you guys, but it's a question all the same that I think many people might have because sometimes I struggle with, um, you know, sometimes people ask me like, what should I do as an ally? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Look on Google. (laughs) You know what to do. (laughs) You know what to do. But maybe for those who are really struggling getting an idea or if like, you know, they want like an answer from people who are in those communities who are affected. What do you guys think? Like, what advice would you give to someone about what they can do as an ally uh, for AAPI communities and other BIPOC uh, communities? Yeah, so this is actually a very relevant question because I am a part of the API community, but I'm also an ally for my roommate um, in response to one of the tr- uh, transphobic rallies. So the way I think of it is I think the best thing you can do as an ally is just to support and be there for the people that are a part of the API community, obviously like you're not gonna be able to understand their experiences because you haven't lived that life. Like that is fair. I'm not expecting you to understand my experiences because I have unique experiences. But the power of listening and trying to empathize with that person is so, so important. And just showing a genuine interest and passion for, for that person, even though you haven't experienced those specific events speaks so much and like Audrey mentioned just seeing her friends like out in the crowd is just such a powerful feeling and is one of the best feelings that she said and one of my classmates I told her about the rally and she came and I saw her out there and she doesn't identify um, as the as as an API she's an African woman and so she you know she thinks that it's important that minorities support each other instead of fighting against each other so it's just really those small things like an hour out of your time come listen to our voices mm-hmm. or it doesn't even have to be a formal thing like a rally listen to someone when they're trying to talk to you or if they're struggling make sure they're not struggling alone right i think those little little check-ins little conversations mean a lot yeah i think going off of that theme of listening that pranashi talked about i think it's really important for allies to respond and show their support before the people who have been affected by the event in question have to shout it at you. I think it's like a shift from passive to active listening, um, like taking more agency in how you show your support. So if you hear about something that has affected a specific community, be the person to reach out first and ask them how they are. Um, It comes across as more authentic. And I think the people doing the work, in this case, it's the AAPI community, they will feel less fatigued from just constantly trying to get people to pay attention. And I think that makes all the difference. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I think like putting the pressure all on the API community to be able to respond and have the right words and give that like emotional energy is not always fair. And so I, I, that's why I think learning how to be an effective ally is so important. And I think like for me, one of the most powerful things that I saw was one of my friends who's not API, like asking me how I was, even though she may not understand like that type of pain and like that fear, she is acknowledging the fact that I might be feeling that type of fear. And that like in itself is so powerful. Yeah. Also, like, I think the acknowledging part, but then also like trying to educate yourself about things that are happening. If something happens, like just reading about it and hearing from the people that know, I think like for professors going forward, it would have been so nice to have your professors talk about it in class, mention it and acknowledge that it's even happening, which is like something not a single one of my professors did. Even that action, just saying to your students, like, this is something that happened on our campus. Just want to make sure everybody's okay. Here are some resources. Like that's being an ally. And that's like really powerful mm-hmm. to do, especially if you have like that kind of power and that kind of reach over students that might not have heard about it before. And also one thing I'd like to add to that, I feel like to be an effective ally, like one way you can approach it is to think And this might not apply to everyone, but to think about like how you would feel if you are part of a minority or a discriminated or underprivileged community and how you would feel if that community was under attack. Try to flip the script almost and think about that. what is salient to you. Mm -hmm. What community do you value? Um, Whether that be religious, whether that be another, whether that be your ethnicity, whether that be your gender identity, whether that be your sexual orientation, whatever community you identify with. If it has faced discrimination or is not the majority, try to think about how you would feel if that was under attack or if you felt threatened because you were a part of that community. And then with that in mind, that could be a good way to like understand the pain that the API community has faced in this this circumstance. Obviously, it's not completely the same. It's not equivalent, but it can direct you in the right direction of thinking, I think. Yeah, thank you. Your guys' answers just made me think about something and I might want to interject and add a little bit of my own answer. Sometimes people who are not part of the AAPI community or underprivileged groups are more reluctant to join activities or to show their support outright Mm -hmm. because they may view it as a quote-unquote political issue. But I think we can all agree, you know, the ACC also believes this equity and inclusion isn't a political issue. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to the safety of a student, physical, mental, emotional safety, it's not really a political issue. And this goes goes hand in hand with what you guys mentioned about education and educating yourself about these ideals and also these values, which obviously, you know, in today's age, you can also search on the internet and (laughs) pretty easily find some scholarly work to read or even an article from a news magazine, whatever it is, uh, wherever you consume your news, I think is very important to think about. Another thing is um, the ACC is also doing really great work in terms of, I believe we have a bystander intervention event. Do any of you guys know anything about that one? Um, I know that it's like in the planning, I'm pretty sure, and I, I could be wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure with Stop API Hate, they're planning a bystander workshop because that's something that they've done in the 
past. So I think that will definitely be very effective. Once again, online, there are other forms of bystander education and also bystander intervention education models that people can look at. Um, okay, as we're wrapping up, um, my last official question would be, um, if there's one thing you guys want the viewers to take away from this episode, what is that? Mine's pretty simple. I just want, the goal is to leave a little bit more open-minded. One of the things that we spoke about to be an effective ally is to listen. And the fact that viewers are listening to this episode already puts you a step further in supporting the API community. And if you're a part of the API community, it increases the solidarity and increases the strength of the communities. I hope that you are able to leave more open-minded, leave with a new perspective. Yeah, I would say for me, probably just like some type of like empathy and I guess taking the initiative yourself to go out and find information and like hearing from students, hearing from API um, people in the community, like that's such a huge step into being more empathetic of what Asian people's experiences are in Bloomington. Going forward, I just hope that people use that empathy and really feel for other minority underprivileged groups and put that into more action. You know, people are aware that this type of discrimination and anti-Asian racism that we've talked about today, it doesn't just exist in big cities or less diverse areas, but right here at home. And minority communities, no matter how removed their lives and experiences may feel to you, do need your individual support and your empathy and open-mindedness to help them uplift their voices. Yeah, I really relate to all of your answers. This anti-Asian hate crime did not happen and didn't like a vacuum. I think it's important to acknowledge to the history behind. Yeah, yeah. one thing I would say is um, if you are able to, there's a petition that was made by a NAPOF, uh, the Indiana chapter. If you just search up NAPOF Indiana, um, it's N-A-P-A-W-F. Uh, there's a petition that they made um, to get the governor to um, acknowledge Asian Americans' voices and issues and things that are happening in Indiana. It's definitely, this is something that they tried to do in the past and it didn't get any any thought from the governor. So just trying to get that visible and get it out and uh, hopefully get some change made. Okay, thank you guys for joining me today. This was very a very productive conversation. Thank you. thank you for having us. Of course. Thank you to our guests, Caitlin, Audrey, and Panashi for coming to talk to me about this very important topic. And for the viewers, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hearbats, Asian American Midwest Radio. Hearbats is produced by WFHB Community Radio and Indiana University's Asian Culture Center. We ask critical questions about identity, culture, community, and shared assumptions. We air every other Wednesday from 5.30 to 6.30 in the evening. Please stay tuned for our episodes in the future. This was Belle, Chat, Panarang C, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode.